reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we'll do it live. We're here to do a mailbag pod during, during the bye week. Very excited about it. Justin, how are you feeling in the bye week? Hey, Bobby Skinner. Um, I'm excited. I'm calling some high school games this weekend. You know, taking advantage of the bye week. I think I got like two or three on the docket on the radar. Um, I'm excited that this bye week is coming out like a good time for the Giants. Coming out at a good time for me. How are you? I'm freaking wonderful. I, we, we had a great start to the show. Um, we're gonna we're obviously as a mailbag pop. I told people not to ask about the trade deadline because we're uh, we just want to talk about it at the top. So we're gonna do that uh, as we get started. So I was surprised at how many people were just like, we have to do a trade for a wide receiver, and it's wrong. Um, but I also wasn't anti-trade, and I, I want to talk about, it, but I. For someone like you, who is like very anti-trade for uh, anybody, why were you in that like position, Justin? I wouldn't have lost my mind if like the Giants traded a fourth or a fifth rounder for Denzel Mims. Like you, I wasn't gonna come on here saying that's not rebuilding. Um, but I was glad to hear like Joe Shane's reasoning. You know, going on WFAN and then having the presser with the beat reporters, and then especially what he said with Sean O'Hara, which. That whole entire interview, go on YouTube, and it's the conversation that uh, he had with Sean O'Hara, I think, on the Giants Huddle podcast. Uh, he went into a whole bunch of different things, even including, like, what are they doing, like, college scouting-wise, and they don't have a director of college scouting, and he talked about all, like, the positions that people have. So, very, very cool. And, you know, one of the things that Joe Shane says is that you don't want to shop hungry, um, and you want to kind of keep the perspective of where the roster is at currently right now. And I can't help but agree with that more because what the Giants have done through the last couple of years is shopping hungry. I mean, even think back to the Leonard Williams trade, which we all think and we all know that that was a bad trade. And think back to Kenny Galladay signing, like sign, overpaying for free agents, signing Nate Solder. I mean, these are things that the previous regime did because they were shopping hungry and they were desperate. Joe Shane does not want to be desperate. Us being 6-2 and two does not change that. Um, and I like staying put and staying the course. Because remember how excited we were, Bobby, when we had 11 draft picks this past year? And that's when we were, what, a four-win team? Think of how excited we're going to be with 11 draft picks. None of them are going to be, like, we're not going to have two top 10 picks. But think of how excited we're going to be with, hopefully, 11 draft picks again. This time, we're coming off of a 9-10-11 win season. Yeah, so I loved the the... Interview with Sean O'Hare was much better. You got more of the press comments, and I love the not shop hungry line. And I actually saw I like I went to go post, and I was like, "Oh, Justin already posted this." Um, I like that line because that's exactly you mentioned Nate Solder, uh, Kenny Galladay. I, I, I don't want to revisit, but like Nate Solder was like a perfect example of shopping hungry because it's like, well, you had to get a left, you had to get a tackle, you had to get a, a tackle, you really needed a tackle, which they did, but. I also just think the market wasn't right for a trade because I would have been willing to do a trade. But I, let's look at the wide receiver trades that happened. Chase Claypool for an early second round pick. No. Well, one, we don't like, you know, would have the Steelers liked it like a second and a fifth for Chase Claypool from us? I don't know. I wouldn't have done that. Calvin Ridley got a second and fifth. I actually would have been f- totally fine with that, even though Calvin Ridley worries me, not because of. Like and it's hard to bash a guy, but like he's just missed games because he's like I don't I don't feel right mentally, you know. And then missing a year. Um, well, that's but- the whole thing with Calvin Ridley is that everybody is saying that. Oh well, oh well, the Giants should have done the Calvin Ridley trade. I saw some people say that online. 
Well, I thought the whole point was helping the team this year. That's why you wanted to make a trade. Calvin Ridley suspended for the entire year. That's the point. And so I like that, but that was the only trade that I saw where I'm like, I I would like that's a trade where I would have been excited about. But I yeah, also that's understand. very low risk, very low risk for the Jacks. But yeah, but I also understand not doing it because again, it doesn't help in 2022. And do they believe he's their wide receiver one of the future? Uh, Robbie Anderson went for a six and seventh. Smart, tough, dependable. Robbie Anderson isn't that. And then Kadarius Tony, obviously, for a third and a six. Which of these are you doing? Like, essentially none that helped this 2022 year, which is the major gripe that people have is we're throwing out these dog crap wide receivers to go out there with Daniel Jones in a contract year. I just don't think a trade was there. You know, the Jerry Judy is the name that gets brought. Well, I don't think the Broncos really wanted to trade Jerry Judy. You know, like, if they would have, if they're willing to trade him for a second and fifth, don't you think that like the Bears would have done that instead of Chase Claypool, yeah. or somebody would have done that? Like I guarantee, they probably wanted like a second and third. And I'm not going to do that for a wide receiver too, which is what Jerry Judy does. Um, is really the trade that that like if so, this is where I disagree with you wholeheartedly though. I would have traded a first round pick for DJ Moore. Now, only a first round pick is not getting the deal done with DJ Moore, or else I think he would have been traded. But DJ Moore is an awesome wide receiver. He's put up great production with bad quarterbacks, and he is your wide. He like he he takes the wide receiver one question that the Giants have and totally takes it away. And you're doing it with like at the most like a 16th overall pick in the draft. Like at the, at, if the Giants just totally crash the rest of the year and win one two games at most, like the 16th 17th pick in the draft. I would do that. Like, you see what, you know, like the A.J. Brown trade, stuff like that. Um, the but Giants we're not there. The Giants aren't there. Yeah, the, Eagle, but- the Eagles were able to do that. Even the Bills were able to do their Stefan Diggs trade because they have the rest of the roster almost nearly where they need to be to compete. The Eagles were there, and the only question was quarterback. And, man, that's looking all right right now. The Giants aren't there yet. I, now, I'm not, I'm not ruling out, like, like 2023, 2024, right? When the roster is a little bit more set, when Joe Shane has two, three draft classes and, you know, we have a, we are at somewhat of a stable quarterback situation, not ruling out anything there. But I want Joe Shane to have the bullets. I want Joe Shane to have the lottery picks. And I've heard the draft is a crapshoot. That's why I don't really care about the draft picks. Well, that's why you need more draft picks. Because if the draft is a crapshoot, which it absolutely is, you want your general manager, your competent general manager, to have more draft picks. The Giants roster is not there yet. I want Joe Shane to build it up the way that he wants to and in a conventional way. And I'm not letting 6-2, and two, even though I'm really excited about it, I'm not letting 6-2 and two cloud that judgment yet. But if we were 3-5, and five, I would still trade a first and a fourth for DJ Moore. Because you say, well, we're not there yet, but that helps get that helps get you close to there. Because it's just like you're getting a guaranteed awesome player, you know. So I do think that's where people get, a, there is a little too much like draft pick hugging. Where it's like, well, some of these aren't going to pan out. And there's nothing wrong with using some of them to get four sure players. And that's what DJ Moore is. But, but what's DJ Moore's, I mean, the Giants aren't really in a position right now where we're, we're worrying about salary cap. Uh, outside of this year, but I would prefer Joe Shane believing in a wide receiver in the first round, having him for five years, four years on the cheap, and you pick up that fifth-year option, than paying a wide receiver more and more money because that's you know what we've that's what we've done, that's what we've relied on. So yeah, but they can also like look at the class and say, well, there's not going to be a wide receiver at that spot where they want, and they so well, we I have no yet. problem with we don't that. Know that but, yet. but anyways. Um, what I wasn't down for was just trading for a wide receiver two who would be a wide receiver one on the Giants. Because it's like, do you believe that player is going to be a good wide receiver, yeah. like a good, a really good wide receiver two for the Giants going forward? Yeah, Joe you Shane know? hinted multiple times, and especially during the O'Hara interview, he's not sure if adding one player at any given position would change things exponentially this year. Okay, cool. But you know? a guy like Jerry Judy does help for the future, but you're not going to go, like, I'm sorry, I'm not selling a second and a third round pick for a guy for a wide receiver too. I'm not doing that. Cause you can say, well, they drafted one day with a second. Well, guess what? We still want to, we got other holes on the team, you know, like we still got to fill other holes. Wide receiver is the one that's in everyone's face right now, but there's still a lot of holes that have to be filled on this team going forward. Okay. So I'm not going to trade away two draft picks and like top 100 picks for a guy that is like going to be a wide receiver too. So that's where, um, I disagree with the, oh, you know, well, these guys are going to be here long term. But I do, but at the same time, 
Like a third, like would I have traded a third round pick for Jerry Judy? Absolutely. If it was eighth, but that wasn't getting it done. You know, like the comp pick that we got from the Chiefs, or even the the regular third round pick. Even the I regular third, I would have done that for Jerry Judy, but that sure. wasn't reality. So people weren't living in reality for those things. And then you say, well, what about like a guy like Denzel Mims? Sure, I don't know if the Jets were even wanting to trade him, but is that guy going to be a good wide receiver too for you going forward? He'll be he'll be the top for you this year. But is he? Is Denzel Mims someone you can rely on to be your wide receiver too going forward? I don't know. Like the Jets don't even want to play the guy. How different is Denzel Mims from Darius Slayton? Exactly, exactly. You know, again, I know there's different situations, but so that's where I was very like I I was very shocked by the like we just gotta we gotta do something for this run, okay? And don't and again don't let the last regime like Joe Shane has to be good at drafting, okay? Like, is the draft a sure thing? No. But for him to be a good GM, he has to be good at drafting. No matter what they would have done at this trade deadline. So, this isn't like a, you know, oh, we're only relying. Like, there's going to be trades that the Giants make eventually for players. Okay? But this, right now, was not the right time. Okay? And you talk about, oh, well, maybe there won't be a wide receiver in the draft and the free agency. I think wide receivers are going to be traded in bulk going forward a lot. Like, we're continuing to see it. There's always going to be wide receivers, ones that are going to be sold um, you know, and maybe get a wide and the reason two why they are sold, in the offseason. The reason why they are sold, Bobby, is because I think that teams are also realizing that there's plenty of them in the draft anyway. So it works both ways. It's that if you want to trade for a wide receiver, they're going to be available. And then those teams that trade away wide receivers, they're going to draft wide receivers. And odds are when you draft them, they're going to work. I feel like just passing the ball and throwing the ball in the NFL, it is more advanced and it is just highly sophisticated and especially in the college game, they're ready to come out and do it. And they're ready to come into the NFL and do it. You're getting some really good ones, but also it's not like everyone's hitting. Like you look at the day two picks from the last few years and there's a couple guys in there. But Well, that's why you trust that you have a good GM, which I'm yeah. willing to do that now. I agree. I agree. You know, like like eventually. And, and I don't, but I'm not also not like just trust Joe Shane because it's so annoying when if there's anything you disagree with people, it's like, well, you got to trust him. You gotta, it's like, no, you can disagree with things. But I 100% agree with the Giants not trading on the trade deadline. Like, if they're, if, if Jerry Judy was being able to give up for a reasonable price, he would have been given up. Yeah. Okay. And DJ Moore wasn't going to go, like, the Panthers probably wanted two first round picks for the DJ Moore. And that's not something the Giants should be yeah. doing. One of the other, uh, notable quotes that Shane has is you have to step back and honestly evaluate the roster too. You can't get caught up in the, Hey, we won the game, but we're also down 17 to three in the game. At some point, you've got to step back and look at it for what it is. So what do you think of that quote? And then also, what do you think, you know, there've been some people that are saying that Joe Shane basically has given up on this year's roster. What do you think of those two notions? Do you agree? Disagree? Well, I was a little distracted because someone was literally playing the saxophone outside of my office. Oh, great. Um, just in really, Florida? Yeah, so it's it's some kid getting off of school walking home. Um, what was the question again? No, so did you hear the quote? You have to take a step back, honestly evaluate the roster yes. too. Um, you know, hey, don't we let, won yeah, the game. But don't let the overachieving of this Giants team like change everything. Like, would you be demanding we trade for someone at three and five? Then don't do it when we're overexceeding and doing yes. six and two. Yes, you know. Um, what do you think about? Because there's some people that are also saying that Joe Shane gave up on this year's roster. Like he gave up on him and that's going to send a message to the locker room, which I really disagree with. Because I think it actually, I think it does the opposite. I think the fact that you didn't do anything tells the locker room they can either take it as like, a, oh, this front office doesn't believe in us. Well, I'm going to show them because they didn't add anybody. Or they could be like, they didn't add anybody for a reason. I'm going to keep my job and I have an opportunity to play more. So I'm going to take advantage of it. I think it's a win-win that they didn't add a buddy for the, the idea room. that it signals to the the locker room that like a bad it's a bad message that's fan fiction that's totally yeah. made up but i but there's people who are mad they're like well they're like okay i hate to do this be dismissive of this because it is the end but there's some people who are like we we should try and make a run at a championship this year and we are giving up on that but that's not real life, though. Like, it's as much as it's like I want to be a fan and say you even got a chance and the Giants teams have done not similar to this roster, but, like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I, we're not making a run for the Super Bowl. Like, I'm, it's, it's, it's not real life, okay? Yeah. I'm not ruling it, anything I out. I think a lot of people, but I also think it's a lot of it's rooted in Daniel Jones, 
love, and this makes it a lot harder for Daniel Jones to not have a, a solid wide receiver on the roster. Yeah. yeah. Which we're going to talk about DJ a little later. All right, let's get into the mailbag. First, this episode was brought to you by some special people. We got uh, Hunter Van Alstein. How about that, Hunter? We got H. Carson, 1979. Is that Harry Carson? I don't know. Chris Knowlton, he knows everything. Steve Shaw. Steve Shaw is actually my old landlord's name. How about that? Never knew he was a fan. Dennis Donahue or Donahoe. Donahue? Donahoe. Max Mooney. Gabriel Ragusa. Richie uh, Lige. Uh, oh, Lillianberg. I think that's it. Just Ethan. That could be a lot of people. And then Jonathan Andrew Goldberg. Goldberg. Goldberg was like the wrestler back in the day. Justin, who are these people? Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Uh, they are sponsoring today's episode. Uh, plus, they're hanging out with us um, while we record the shows. This is actually our second attempt at recording the show. Um, Patreon, they're the only ones that know why this is the second attempt that we're recording the shows. Everybody else doesn't get to know. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. There's some other perks, too. Thanks to our patrons. We love you. All right. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Guy Garrett Colt at Cassius Connor. He asks, what should be the concern level that the Giants offense has been figured out after the Seahawks game? The Giants don't have the personnel to win with their players, so they rely on scheme. The Seahawks may have created the blueprint to stopping the scheme. Where are you at, Bobby? That The Seahawks did put up great film against the Giants, and I guarantee you teams are going to try and like, all right, this is what they did. Let's copy that. Like, it's a copycat league. That's They're going to look. This is a team that's had the best results versus the Giants offense. So... That should be a worry. But here's why it's not a, a big worry for me. We're not going to just stay what we're doing and be like, oh, we've been figured out. We're screwed. Because I think they're, we're going to make adjustments off this, and this coaching staff has showed it. Uh, for, and also this. It was our worst game of the year running the ball. I think we're going to run the ball better than this. And an adjustment you can make in the running game, I think, is running the ball to the left more. Uh, you know, And maybe some guys being added and maybe we'll talk about interior offensive alignment, but but you're not going to run the ball that bad uh, week to week. You know, like we've been an awesome running team, top you know top five in the league. We're not going to have running games like that um, going forward. Maybe one or one or two, but not going forward. So that's one part of it is the running game. So teams have been on those under center play action. Teams have been dropping their linebackers and telling where their safeties were to jump on it. Well, guess what? Turn those, and I know this will make people uh, shudder because of the Jason Garrett experience. Turn those deep crossers into deep curls. Seriously. Because guess what? Now we got these guys flowing. Sit and stop. Daniel Jones pulls the trigger. And those are some plays that Jason Garrett actually ran in the very beginning of 2020 and worked to success one week. And they kept on running it the next weeks. And teams were just sitting underneath it. And it didn't work because that's Jason Garrett's a horrible offensive coordinator. And one of their best third and long plays has been those curl routes, you know, those, you know, those 15 yard uh, deep curls, even though they've actually adjusted off of those where they're running conversion uh, fades off of it. So stuff like that. And just simply, Getting into the drop back offense, which they did more of this week, and getting vertical. Like get ver get, get we we talked about it before. Eventually you're gonna have to get more vertical uh in this offense and not just a few times a game. Like get more vertical, test these safeties deep because right now they're just slamming down on these crossing routes and it's time to take advantage of that. So adjust to the adjustments made to your offense. Yeah, getting vertical is exactly what I was going to start talking about. Uh, the Giants' passing offense has nine passing plays of 20-plus yards this year. Um, the second-worst team in the National Football League is four different teams, 17. So <laughs> that is almost double. The 31st-ranked team in passing plays of 20-plus yards almost has double the amount of 20-plus yard passing plays that the Giants do. And think of how bad Chicago has been, right? Chicago isn't even like tied for 31st. They have 19. They have 19 passing plays of 20-plus yards, and the Giants have nine. Um, and then you, know, you mentioned getting vertical. Uh, Daniel Jones has only thrown eight passes of 
20 plus yards this year. The two that he's completed have gone for touchdowns. The Sterling Shepard touchdown week one, and then the Darius Slayton uh, 32 yarder against the Jags. So uh, the only worry that I have, Bobby, is that this Giants offense is very dependent on running like 10 plus 10 plus plays in a drive, like the drives that are really successful, particularly in the second half. We're going to talk about second half versus first half rushing splits in this uh, in this episode, too. But they've been very successful, particularly in the second half, on running these very, very long drives and winning time of possession, which has been very backwards of what I think this staff originally wanted to do. And it's actually what Jason Garrett wanted to do. That's why this year is so funny and it's so fucking hilarious because Mike Kafka and Brian Dable are doing exactly what Jason Garrett wanted to do, where they're getting into third downs and they're converting and they're running a shit ton of plays. So um, that's the concern that they're not producing the explosive plays. uh, They're not getting vertical and they're relying on running a lot of plays in a drive. And a lot of times the NFL, that doesn't work. So um, hopefully if they could produce more explosive plays and run less plays in a drive and it ends up in seven points, that's a way to offset what went wrong against Seattle. Yeah, we got to get vertical. And that doesn't just mean Darius Slayton beating a guy off the line of scrimmage and throwing it to him. Like Testy's, you've been a very horizontal offense, get vertical. It's time to add that to the offense. Trust Daniel Jones. I think he's earned it. I think he's earned it. Um, has, Has Darius Slayton necessarily earned it um i did a nice little check at wide receiver separation numbers today and darius slayton is still second worst in the nfl at wide receiver separation um so that's that's where it gets tough we're saying throw vertical but who are you throwing it vertical to besides yeah, darius but we're slayton. also not testing teams vertically where it's like you get open there there was a play and we'll talk about it with the daniel jones question later but we're not we're not we're not it's not like we're pat like they're there and we're passing them up it's they're we're not running them so yeah. they those need to be ran Okay. All right. Next question is John Demko at Demko Guitar. wonder if John plays the guitar. With Shane the Mew likely coming back at some point and Nick Gates coming back, what do you think would be the best case scenario for the offensive line? Obviously, you have uh, Thomas and Neil on the tackles, uh, but how good can the interior be? And at what point do you think it needs to be addressed in the draft? I guess we'll just talk about it this year. I'm going to be interested to see how they handle this unit when Ben Bredesen comes back. Um, because John Feliciano has bottom four of the NFL center numbers, bottom four, and not just volume, just like efficiency wise, you know, he's given up two sacks, um, 13 pressures through eight games. Like his numbers are worse than Nick Gates's full season, 2020. Like if Nick Gates is ready to play full games, Nick Gates should absolutely be the starter over John Feliciano. He's younger and he's just flat out better. Like, so if, if you think Nick Gates is back or even close to back to what his 2020 level of play is, you have to play him. He's a much better center than John Feliciano. Where it gets real interesting, though, is because Feliciano is a stopgap. Where it gets real interesting is with Mark Lewinsky. Because when Ben Bredesen comes back, do you want to bench a Zudu if he's playing, you know, halfway decent for a rookie? Because Lewinsky's been bad. Like, he's been just as bad as Feliciano. Like, seventh worst as far as, like, efficiency numbers. Uh, and, the you know, out of the six guys that are worse than him, three of those guys are rookies. Um, and Ben Bredesen has low-key been top ten in those efficiency numbers. And, again, we're also, I do the older report, so the eye test matches up to what these numbers that I'm saying. Like, Galinsky's been really bad. And Feliciano's been pr- pretty ba- pretty damn bad, too. Where Bredesen was okay. Like, Bredesen had bad moments. He had a bad game versus Green Bay, a bad game versus Tennessee. But he was not, like, he was like a solid, you know, like a, a playable offensive lineman. Where Feliciano and Glowinski have been bad, and the scheme has protected the offensive lineman with them being bad. So, when Ben Bredesen comes back, even though he's on the IR, so maybe this injury is a lot more serious than we know. But if Ben Bredesen comes back and you feel comfortable about playing Nick Gates, will this, this staff, they've shown willingness to... Bench guys or get rid of guys who aren't theirs. Will they be willing to do it with John Feliciano, who they brought in to be the starting center? Will they be willing to do it with Mark Lewinsky, who the majority of the money on his contract is into next season? It's it's most of it's in next season. You can't cut Lewinsky. So that'll be my question because that's what should happen. Like if Azudu is not like a train wreck and he's just he's you know even if he's the same play as well as Mark Lewinsky, you should leave Azudu at left guard. And play Brendan Bredesen at right guard. Are they willing to bench Mark Lewinsky? I think that's a huge test for this coaching staff. Yeah. I don't know if they're willing to do it this far into the season. 
because there is a there is an element of O line chemistry, uh, and and you know because now we're talking about like the best case scenario offensive line. I mean, they've in in Buffalo they benched offensive linemen this late into the later in the year. They did it with John Feliciano. They literally yeah. benched him. <laughs> All right, yeah, Brian Dable did it once. Do it again. Um, yeah, because Bobby, this best case scenario offensive line. I don't know who's better at what side. No, you know what? Put Shane Lemieux next to Andrew Thomas. Shane Lemieux next to Andrew Thomas. Nick Gates at center. And if there's going to be a guard that's going to screw up pass protection every once in a while, I'd rather it be Josh Azudu developing than Mark Lewinsky. And then you have Evan Neal at right tackle, right? Is that not the best case scenario offensive line? I'm not giving Lemieux a starting job. Yeah. I'm not. He's Sorry. He's got to come back. I, I feel bad for you, but you, you missed over half the year. You not like you were some like guaranteed starter really good player beforehand it, it sucks i feel bad for you I, I i still want him on the roster going in the next year but lemieux is not getting anybody's job bredesen left guard gate center azudu right guard if we why do you we, want to move azudu to right guard leave azudu at left and put bredesen at right never mind then i, I whatever works best um but that's like best case scenario like if we if we could have a perfect world right those three yeah. Yeah, yeah, those three, and then so if Gates is if Gates is good, you essentially you really don't have to get interior in the draft like early in the draft, you know. Whereas right now you have if you finish the rest of the season with Feliciano and Glowinski, and Bredesen doesn't come back, and is like interior offensive line is still a huge need. Where if Gates comes back and plays all right. And Azudu develops into you know a guy you you want to be in. You don't have like some huge we need to invest right in interior offensive line. I still think you should. I think you should try and come out of every draft with interior offensive linemen, um, because the depth is always needed and you do hit on those spots. Uh, but you have Bredesen, you have Glowinski under contract as a backup. You know uh, Shane Lemieux as a backup. Um, Nick Gates know, is 26. I was actually, um, my mother and I were out to dinner last night, and we were talking about Nick Gates and his comeback. And I looked up his age. He's 26 years old. Yeah. Which is nuts. So I, I was, I didn't think, man, I, and we talked about it. I was very proud of Nick Gates. I didn't know if he was going to come back. Like, there was some serious doubt within the team, within Nick Gates' own head, if he was ever going to come back. You know, uh, I didn't want to say that on the shows then because it's like, I just didn't want to put that out there. But, like, he didn't. There was times where he thought like um, it's not going to happen. Like when he had some setbacks, he's like, "I'm just, it's never going to happen." Yeah. Um, I want to see him in pass pro because I mean, it's definitely, and you can speak to this better than than I can, but I think it's a little easier to lean on guys. Which Nick Gates was moving well, and he was leaning on guys, and he was moving them during the Seattle game. But I think it, that's very different versus pass pro and the strength that you have in your legs to anchor down or to do a hop step, something like that. Um, so that's where I really want to see Nick Gates if he can do that. Yeah, and I'm not guaranteeing Gates is going to be good when he comes back either. But you know what? I want to see it. Like I, I saw, I saw him be able to move. Around. Like I was, I didn't know what he was going to be when he came back. But now I'm at the point I want to see it because Feliciano is really bad at center. Yeah, it, I feel like yeah, I, I would rather see if Nick Gates is going to struggle a little bit at center. I would rather see Nick Gates struggle, and then same thing with Azudu at any of the guard spots. I would rather see Josh Azudu. If there's going to be a guard that's going to allow whiffs and pass pro, but solid in the run game, I'd rather it be Josh Azuda. As long as Josh Azuda is not unplayable like he was the first couple weeks of the season, I I would like to see him. Yep, I agree. Also, if you want to see him, you can get tickets at SeatGeek. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. I got the app on my phone. I was actually looking at tickets for the Commanders game on December 4th, which I will be at. Whether it's football, concerts, basketball, baseball, festivals, or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you are getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I wonder how much Nets tickets are right now because we are... We really are a train wreck right now with the whole Kyrie stuff. Uh, we fired Steve Nash. We we're hiring a coach who was suspended, who went to the NBA Finals last year, but was suspended by his team for at least a year and probably was going to be fired eventually. And Ime Okoda, uh, or Yukoda, it's, or Yudoka, Yukoda, Yudoka. Um, like, we are a train wreck. And we suck. Like, I, th- I think we're what? Like, one in. 
one and five or yeah, two. Yeah, like bottom one. of the barrel in, in the Eastern Conference. Meanwhile, the Knicks are playing yeah, two well. Two and six. Two and six. I'm playing, you know, Knicks are playing well. And I, I'm oh, like. don't. See, see, this is. I'm talking about the Nets. Why bring up a team that's three well, no, and three? I'm, I'm bringing Ooh, it up because I'm like. I have never, like, planted my flag in the ground and said, I'm a Nets fan. But I'm like, you know, New Jersey, whatever. I'm. Because of all the BS that's happening on and off the court with the Brooklyn Nets, I'm like starting to become a Knicks fan because they're Congrats. fun. Awesome. Thank you. Don't worry. We've got the hookup. Use code Giants for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's your $20 off your first purchase of the promo code Giants. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. All right. Uh, wavering, Justin. Next question. Not wavering. I actually... I've talked a lot. I need to. Well, this is a ongoing. Conversation Maybe you'll be a Jets fan. They're a little more fun. I've had an ongoing conversation with Snacks about like if I'm if I'm fraudulent. I haven't determined it yet. I have not determined. You're letting the that fact yet. that the Nets don't have a lot of fans and they don't take over Twitter. No, uh, I'm not. Timeline during they're a mess. They are a mess. They are a mess. They are a mess. And you know what? Just spineless. say you don't care about basketball. How about that? I don't care about basketball. All right, but so I, stop doing this. Oh, I'm a Nets fan, but I like to just just don't care about basketball. I may want to care about basketball. Like, do do I care about hockey a ton? No, but I am not going to be like, oh, it's fun with the Rangers right now. Fuck the Rangers. Go Devils. Oh. Well, you're much more of a Devils fan even than I am. Well, yeah, go Devils. Go Devils. Ashley Conkrin. After watching the film review, it was clear, shout out film review, it was clear that the offense left some points on the board, on the field. How much of a, how much is a regression from Daniel Jones from the past couple weeks? Um, whoa, let's try this again. How much is a regression from DJ from the past few weeks, or does he need to be perfect because the weapons around him didn't create opportunities for chunk plays consistently enough? And then Tucker Cherry, he asks, DJ seems to be playing more conservatively in order to limit the turnovers. This also limits the deep passing game. Will this hurt him in regards to getting extended? Um, I think that would be, that's the, if you are like wondering if Daniel Jones is going to get extended, his play on the field, or if you're thinking like he might, he won't be, you can't really point to anything, his play on the field and say, see, that's why. Well, you could point to the playbook and be like, see, they're not trusting him with a ton. You know, they're not, you know, asking him to sit in the pocket and throw the ball 50 yards down the field. Because it's we what are, Dan Orlovsky have said, has basically said the last couple weeks. That is that is the argument you can make. But that being said, Daniel, and, and, and this is where I, I talked about in the film review, there was a double move by Darius Slayton in the beginning of the fourth quarter. And this was huge. And they got a field goal in this drive instead of a touchdown. DJ just doesn't throw it to him. And he's staring at it with some time. Like, this isn't like a people share, you know, screenshots of a play and be like, this guy was open wide and he threw Like, I, that's so stupid when people do that. But this was flat out, like, this was designed to go to Darius Slayton. And he doesn't pull the trigger. And that is, if I was the coaching staff, the thing that would worry me. is like, not, not making a mistake, not missing the throw to Lawrence Cager. That's the thing that would worry me. It's like, why didn't you pull the trigger there? Why didn't you pull the trigger there? Because 2019 Daniel Jones pulls the trigger. He pulls it. Okay. And there's not a lot of play and, and there's not a lot of plays to be made down the field. So you kind of need to make those, you know, the throw to Lawrence Cager, that throw to Darius Slayton. You have to make it. You know, this he wasn't asking them to throw the ball 65, 70 yards. Like it would have been a nice 55 yard throw, which Daniel Jones has made numerous times, has all the arm talent in the world to make that throw. So it's not an arm talent thing. And he just doesn't pull the trigger. Um so that's where if you're talking thinking like maybe they won't, those are the reasons why. But to also answer the question from Ashley is, did DJ make mistakes in this past couple games? Yeah, he, had, he made a few. But it, the way we are with the offense, he does have to be perfect. Like these, the la, the five games before this, he was basically perfect. Like you miss one play, make maybe one wrong read, but they're not huge. It just hurts a lot more when those reads, are when the mistakes are the big plays taken off the board, which is what they were versus Seattle. Like the two big plays, the two biggest plays they should have had didn't happen because of Daniel Jones miss on a throw and Daniel Jones just not make it, uh, taking the throw. That those are the type of things you, you don't want to see. But everyone QB is going to have mistakes in a game. So like the Cager miss doesn't bother me a ton in big picture evaluation. But uh, he does have to kind of be perfect in this offense for it to be good. And he was for five games. He wasn't this last game. Yeah, I really wish that Jason Garrett wasn't 
the worst thing to ever happen to Daniel Jones's career because we have Pat Shermer's system, which it was very high to low reads, which you talked a lot about for years. And then I think this system is similar, right? Like high to low reads and concepts like that. It's more horizontal. Horizontal. So, I mean... And pure progressions. So, I mean, these are two systems now which Daniel Jones has, you know, quote-unquote flourished in. Um, this one more than 2019, just, you know, limiting the turnovers. Uh, but there were more explosive plays in 2019. But, you know, two two systems which Daniel Jones has done well in that have been simpler systems. And then a very complex, complicated Jason Garrett system that he didn't do well in. But that again, that's I that's, disagree. That's Jason Garrett's offense wasn't complex. This offense is way more complex. It actually forces you to go through progressions, which DJ has done. Film people have said that better. it's complex. Jason Garrett's offense, yeah, because it's pre everything is done pre snap, and you have to have the the brain of Albert Einstein to figure out where to throw the ball before the play. Which I'm uh, not making excuses for him, but, but I, film I, people have said this. I don't agree with those film people. I think it's it's uh. I think it's a, a patient. It's extreme patience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't really have like a strong opinion on. Oh well, you know, Pat Shermer made it simple. Daniel Jones did better. Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are making it simple for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is doing better. I, I I'm not really fully smart enough to like make that distinction of oh they're hiding this for Jones. I mean the only still the only thing that sucks. This is what really really sucks is that. We are again, look, we're going to end this season saying that Daniel Jones doesn't have the skill position players to throw the ball to, to fully get the best evaluation of. And we are in year four. Someone is still playing the saxophone. Yeah. And, and it's, they tried with Kenny Gold and Kadarius Tony, both yeah. failed. The other regime did. Yeah. Um, You know, where this regime really, they didn't try and I don't blame them. Because, well, they couldn't try because of. Yeah, you know the, there the was cap a tackle, situation. and you know they Wandale, and we'll see how Wandale progresses. So. Yeah, if you want to criticize the Wandale, it's early, but I have no problem with people not liking the Wandale pick. No problem. Uh, I I would I didn't love the pick to be honest. Yeah, so basically, but I put these two questions together to talk about like that's don't that's that will always bother me more than anything is not pulling the trigger on something that's supposed to be aggressive. That's the only that's the thing that will bother me more than anything from a QB. As long as they had like the prerequisites, like arm strength, accuracy, all that good stuff, what Daniel Jones does have doesn't have like the top tier of the NFL arm strength, but he has good arm strength. Um, that's the thing that will always worry me more about anything is is that, and I saw that on Sunday. Yeah, the explosive plays are extremely valuable. I mean, I've talked about it for two years. Um, you know, if you produce a twenty-plus yard play in a drive, I mean, your your odds of going up, you know, putting seven points on the board goes up exponentially. So. Especially in this offense, you can't miss him. Next question. Next question. Jim Leahy is a drunk. Tough. I'm mowing the air is the handle. Outside of wide receiver, what position? Linebacker I'm in the air, man. I'm mowing the air. Great. That's a great handle by him. It's a great handle. Mowing, mowing the air. The air man. I'm mowing the air. What's that from? Is that from Trailer Park Boys? Yeah, Jim Leahy. Oh. He's mowing the air, Rand. He's mowing the air. Next question. Oh. Or the question. Outside of wide that, that's the question, um, Jim Leahy. Uh, outside of wide receiver, what position, linebacker, interior O line, or other is most important to improve through the draft and or free agency? Linebacker. Dude, they need a linebacker so bad right now. Like they're Mike Line they they're not not a they need a Mike linebacker. Really badly. Like I like some stuff out of Mike McFadden, not a Mike linebacker. Uh like they desperately like that. I think that's their biggest position of weakness right now. Like it is, it is screwing things up for the defense. Uh, obviously the run defense, but it's just like they're lost and they're not these great like players who they can afford to be lost. Mike linebacker is a huge need for the Giants right now. Hmm. I I know that how that could have been fixed to start the year. Don't do it. Next question. Next question. Daniel Brothers at DRB underscore 32. 32. OG call here. This is true. Dan from Staten Island. Uh, when we did voicemails, um, which I love. I, he used to not even ask questions. He would just like do two minutes of ranting about the Giants. <laughs> Dan from Staten Island. If you can bring back any Giant from the 2011 team not named Victor Cruz or Eli Manning, who would it be and why? I feel like this is an easy Hakeem Nicks, right? Yeah, there's an argument for JPP that 2011 season. I literally wrote Hakeem Nix or JPP, but to me it's like 
you got some pass rushers on this team that you eventually like you're hoping are going to be really good um I, I but 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 so like the biggest improvement would be Hakeem Nix like his playoffs that year. I mean he was just awesome that year. Regard he was an awesome player up until after that. He was an alpha. Like uh, Hakeem Nix like and I think he would fit really well with Daniel Jones too. Yeah, he's an alpha. He's an like alpha. Hakeem Nix didn't really have like contested catches per se, but there were. Uh, he had plenty of those. I think. Yeah, because he's not. He's yeah. No, I'm. I'm just trying to think. I mean, he, he ran the full route tree. He did. You know, he had thirty-one touchdowns in his yeah, career. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. He was the best. They were the best running the end zone fade. To, I think Hakeem Nix and Eli had better like end zone fade chemistry than Plax and Eli did. Yeah, I mean, Hakeem was Hakeem was really really good. Yeah, you know, um, you know, back to back thousand yard seasons, eighteen touchdowns in those seasons, and I think he might have like the most receiving yards and one of the most receiving yards in a playoffs ever. Uh, I think Larry Fitzgerald owns the record, yeah. but his play, he had like what three hundred yards in those playoffs. It's crazy because Mario Manningham had an insane playoffs. Too. I mean, they, they all. I mean, Eli Manning. I think Eli Manning is still. But did Stafford break it last year, or is Eli still the? record holder for most passing yards in a postseason i don't know so he had 384 35 i mean he yeah i i was way off he had like 540 uh receiving yards that's crazy i mean three 100 yard games including a 165 yard game four touchdowns like his low game was five catches for 55 yards for the 49ers yeah they they all had insane insane postseasons i mean victor Victor cruz Cruz had like 12 catches in that 49ers game and they're all they all came in like the first half it was crazy um, yeah, so we, we'll uh, we'll take a little Hakeem Nicks for this uh, for this giant team. Maybe they should even call him up now. Someone said Chris Knee in the chat, and that's not a bad pick. No, not a bad pick at all. But I would have went Hakeem Nicks. Yeah. All right. Um, before we get to some other questions, let's talk about DraftKings. It's time for October baseball, and I'm betting on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the World Series right now. DraftKings Sportsbook has a championship-worthy offer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $5 on any World Series game and win $200 in free bets if your team wins. It's that simple. Want to boost your winnings? Check out DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more you can win. Snacks put like a $50 parlay on like Saquon scoring a touchdown, Derrick Henry scoring a touchdown, um, like two other guys scoring. I think Jonathan Taylor scoring touching. He had like four, five, six legs in this parlay. Put fifty dollars on it. Won like twelve hundred dollars. It was it was it was like a good parlay. I'm like, oh, that like all of that makes sense. And he won big. So follow Snacks's brain. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code John Boy and bet five dollars to win two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code John Boy. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used. With permission. Next question is coming from Mr. Brownstone. You'll be glad you did, DraftKings. Mr. Brownstone, what are Glenda Jones's thoughts on the season, and what do you expect to see from Galladay after the bye? Uh, Glenda, she's very happy with DJ. She thinks that he needs to be extended. Um, Agreed. Wait, you know, I, one I day- thought of this. I thought of this conspiracy. You know how there was a Marty. That was we, we have a Marty, like a, a Marty listener, and he every time Marty was who us, Marty was who Glenda was asking for. Correct. Why have we never put that together? No, no, he has a different name. I forgot his name. It's not Marty though. It's not Marty. No, I'm real. I'm. I feel really bad that I'm forgetting it now. I don't know if he listens anymore. I mean, he could be dead. Right. <laughs> he was on uh, a bridge every time he left a voicemail. Kenny Galladay. I don't know. You should, you, Joe Shane did mention him in the pressers. Like, we hope to get him back. So, like, I guess they're going to actually play him. I think at some point after the first month of the season, the Giants coaching staff finally said, you know what, let's just play the best players and stop worrying about our system and da-da-da. So, hopefully Kenny Galladay will play because he is better than Marcus Johnson and David Sills. Um, and I'm interested to see how Kenny Galladay can look with Darius Slayton on the field. We talked about it before where it's like putting Galladay on the field with David Sills is, like, useless. It really is. Um, putting him on the, uh, with Slayton, who has that speed, I, th- I think could be a decent pairing. Um, but he just looked really bad, though. Like, I, I don't know what we're going to get out of Galladay. 
you know, like if like last year he wasn't a horrible wide receiver. You know, he had 53 yards per game with DJ, a 60 percent uh, catch rate, which is you know fairly good. But at the same time, it's like even as bad as he looked, they were misusing him in those first four games of the year. You know, the first game they played him, they were mis- they were using him as clear out routes. Like, why would you use this six foot four slow receiver to run a, a slot clear out for Dagger? Like, of course he's going to get in the way. Um, and then in weeks two through four, I mean, he played 25% of the snaps in those weeks. So they didn't really make him. So he really was never part of the plan or progression. Um, you know, besides the Dallas game, he had, th- you know, three targets. Um, so I-, I think it should help a little, but I also don't know how well he fits in this offense regardless. Cause he doesn't like, he can run some in breakers, you know, the, the skinny, uh, a skinny post. Maybe you throw some back shoulders. So I think there can be some help, but I don't know if he's making a huge difference. Like I don't I don't have much expectations for Kenny Galladay. Yeah, besides a skinny post and besides him blocking, because that uh I think it was the Carolina game where it was basically just him and Sills, him and Sills, and they were just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. Um It was besides, I think it was it was the Bears game because he didn't play in the Carolina Bears, game. Bears, excuse me. Um I don't know, man. He he's gotta show me. Like just show me something. And if this offense doesn't want to throw it vertically, which I don't even know if Kenny Galladay could put himself in a position to be, you know, he's the type of guy where it's even when he's not open, he's open. I don't even know if he could put himself even in that kind of position if you run a, you know, if you run like a route vertical down the field. And I just, I want to see that. I want to see him run vertically down the field. There has to be one opportunity, two opportunities a game, where even if he's not open, Daniel Jones can throw up the ball, and I want to see what he can do. Yeah, throw back shoulders at him. Throw back shoulders. Yeah, there's no reason not to try that type of stuff, Um, you know, and make teams respect it, and then maybe that opens some other stuff. So I think he should be used. Um, but I'm not expecting like some huge bump in the offense from Kenny Galladay. If we could get him back to 2021 level of play, by the way, that would be a huge addition for the Giants. But I don't even know if we're getting that, going to get that out of him. No, no. Like he looks worse after the surgery he had in this offseason. Yes. But at the same time, he didn't look horrible to start a camp. I don't know. I, I, I'm just not putting expectations on Galladay. I was looking at an old training camp clip. Where he beat like a Dory Jackson vertically down the field. Like Julian captured it. I don't yeah. know. Crazy. Vanilla Vic at Shake and Bake with a couple underscores. Who do you think slash who do you think is slash Whoa. Are the- we got breaking news. You about to pull my chain here? No, we got it in the chat. Giants did the Giants just claim Hold Isaiah on. Hodgins off waivers from the Bills. I trust Doug Analytics with my life. He's Form- like six foot four. Formerly known as Doug with a complicated username. I right, hold on. I gotta post this to the Talking Giants Twitter. All right. So we're that was doing somebody s- that everyone thought they would pick up after the fifty-three man cut down. Let's do a quick Isaiah Hodgins search on Pro Football Reference. He's six foot four, two hundred and ten pounds. Sixth round from the twenty twenty draft. Went to Oregon State. He played this year against Pittsburgh. He had four catches, six targets, thirteen snaps, forty one yards. That's the only game that he's played in in his NFL career. That he got it. That he got a target at least. We could skip this question. Julian Love is the one that makes the most sense to extend in season. Saquon yes. DJ, you're not going to do that. Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney aren't eligible until um, after the season. Maybe Dexter Lawrence, but um, his father James Hodgins was a fullback from 1999 to 2006. He only played 13 snaps in those four catches, 41 yards. I know that's 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 kind of it's kind of significant. I wonder when he. I mean, I, it was a 38 to three victory, so I think it's when it's probably when the Bills sat their starters that he got those that he got those four catches, two first downs. Okay, I mean, what's his? I wonder what his combine time is. What's his 40? Uh, his 40 is a 461. His hair on his on the bottom of his chin very much matches his hair. 
Like, it looks like he just took a patch of it from his hair and then put it on his chin. Observation from his pro football reference page. He's 24. Just turned 24. Happy birthday. October 21st, 1998. Same age as me. I just tweeted from talking to Ah, so there's some wide receiver edition right there. There you go. We got what we asked for. Didn't have to give up a draft pick. Ha. Huge. Hmm. So is he signed to the active roster? Like, what's the... Yeah. He must have been caught yesterday because they claimed him. Ah, okay. Right on. And we had a we had a slot open on the fifty three. We always have slots open on the fifty three, apparently. Yeah. Which Joe Shane, by the way, like like another reason why we're not trading for anybody. Joe Shane literally joked yesterday. He's like, "Haha, I'm probably gonna have to restructure more contracts because we can't make it to the end of the season." Ha ha. Yeah, no, he he actually will have to. Yeah. The only way they want to have is. Yeah, they, they have to restrict. The only way they, they wouldn't have to is if they didn't sign Isaiah Hodgins. No, I'm joking. All right, cool. Wide receiver depth. We covered it. Next question? Yeah, next question. Next question is coming from Research Rick, NYG fan in Charlotte. Uh, Winks excelled at hiding talent deficiencies with schemes. Can the defense meaningfully improved without Ojolari, O'Shane Zimenez, Tony Jefferson, and Aaron Robinson returning healthy, or will the lack of talent at interior linebacker cap what he can do? So can the defense improve even without key pieces? Um. Yes, Aziz Ojolari. I think Aziz Ojolari is, like, I think Timon Fox has actually probably been better than Ocean. Like, Timon Fox, I think, has looked better than Ocean Zimenez when they have played. Aziz Ojolari coming back would be a huge addition, though. Like, he's he's a better pass rusher than Kayvon Thibodeau. Like he's he's a better pass rusher than Kayvon Thibodeau, um, so yeah, I, I think K, Aziz would be the addition. But at the same time, not having the Mike linebacker is always going to be an issue. So like the other ones, like corner. I, I mean, Fabian Moreau's been playing pretty well. Maybe Cordell Flock can come out and and play take that slot uh, corner position away from Darnay Holmes, so that could help. But you're not going to put too much on him. So Aziz Ojolari is the one that could make a huge difference because he can he can get sacks. And force fumbles like Aziz Ojolari would be a really welcome back addition. Yeah, they got to force more negative plays. Bottom yeah, line. And, and Aziz allows you to do it with a four man rush. It allows that interior pressure to be more effective because guess what? Now we got a guy winning on the edge where Kayvon has not been winning consistently enough. Um, you know, or, you know, Kayvon's had some good plays, but like I was pretty disappointed in him last week. Um, He's a rookie. Yeah, yeah, I'm not like, but again, I'm not relying on him right now. Uh, so yeah, Aziz would be a huge, huge addition back. Yeah. All right, next question. All right, next question. Doug at Doug underscore analytics. Give Doug underscore analytics a follow, please. He's been literally the best follow on Giants Twitter this year. Can you talk about the difference in rushing between halves? Would you like to see more rushing in the first half? Bobby, I have data for you. I do too. They have. 3.8 yards per carry in the first half, and then 5.3 yards per carry in the second half for Saquon. And they have 47 more attempts in the second half. How many? Give, what, give what's your, the yards per attempt in the first half? For the just Saquon, 3.8. Uh, that's not what I see because I'm on pro football reference. In the first half, Saquon Barkley has 61 attempts, 276 yards with 4.5 yards per attempt. And then in the second half, they have him at 102 attempts. Versus 61, 503 yards and 4.9 yards per attempt. That's what Pro Football Reference has in their splits. Where were you looking? I did these manually. You did them manually? Yes. Tough. So talk to me about this because this is something you want to talk about. Yeah, no. Um, and I even have Daniel Jones too. Daniel Jones' splits uh, between the first half and the second half rushing-wise is significant too. Daniel Jones in the, in the first half has 24 attempts for 145 yards, 10 first downs. Daniel Jones in the second half has 40 attempts, again, almost double the amount of rushing attempts in the second half, 218 yards, and then 19 first downs. So again, almost double the amount of first downs first half to the second half. Um, and then I guess the the main question is, would you like to see more rushing in the first half? No, not necessarily. I, so people play the results. 
So like the Packers game when the first three dri- two drives of the game was literally like Saquon, 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 Saquon. It's like we got to pass the ball. And then the Jaguars game, they passed the ball in the first couple drives. Awesome. Good job. And then this last week, they didn't run the ball in the first two drives. Like, why don't you hand the ball to Saquon? It's like, well, they ran RPOs and they they pulled the ball and threw it because of their yeah. face deck box. So I'm not I'm not like, a, oh, you have to do this in the first half. But I do love the fact that they're staying committed to the second half because it's a fact. Like, it's human nature that it's harder to f- defend the run in the second half because you're tired. You're not as focused in on your run, run keys as a defensive player. It's just a lot harder to do in the second half. So I love the fact that they're staying consistent and being disciplined to do in the second half, yeah. even while losing games. But I'm not I'm not one to be like, what? In fact, I, I'm i the one who didn't like the fact that the Packers game, they're just trying to force feed Saquon to start the game. It's like, just run the offense. Yeah, yeah I also think that the pass game sets up the running game. So even if the passing game isn't like booming for the Giants in the first half, I think the fact that especially if the Giants are down by multiple scores or if they're down in a game, if they're down in any game and they're not leading once the third and the fourth quarter comes, I think teams are going to be expecting pass. They're going to be playing back a little bit more. And especially if the Giants are hitting them with play action, play action, play action in the first half, even if the running game isn't working, you have to respect the play action, so then you're eventually you're gonna you're gonna start to expect the pass, and you know they're just because you're down by multiple scores, defenses are gonna expect the pass anyway, and then that's where the running game can kind of open up, and I think we've seen that. Uh, now, obviously, when you look at these splits, like these are really really significant splits. I mean, Saquon Barkley having 61 rushing attempts versus 102 um, first half to second half, respectively. And then Daniel Jones having almost doubled the amount of attempts in the second half versus the first half. I mean, those are some really, really significant splits that you wouldn't expect if I didn't tell you just based on the eye test. But it's happening. And I think just in general, the Giants are running more plays in the second half. Um, They're controlling the clock. They're controlling the ball, uh, which is leading them to win games so it's a tough formula to replicate but when you have the offensive lineman when you have the scheme and when you have a coaching staff that's dedicated to it um let it ride let's ride broncos country uh tauzino oh this is the last question how do you like that tauzino at red yeti nine is tim from florida still alive or did paul detino uh rumbling you in the summer in the summertime uh kill him off so bobby this would be a good this is a good uh this would be a fun thing to do, especially during the bye week. Now, I don't think there's any big blue kickoff this week, but next week if you call there's in, there's not. And you, they take it off. They they go like every every five days. Five well, days I think a week. Paul may be still in, but I saw that John Schmelk posted a tweet that says we're we're done. We're like not doing it this week. But I think that would be a fun thing now that especially I think they know who you are. That would be a fun thing if you called and said Tim from Florida. Well, hopefully they'd forget. I, so people are like well, I, those type of things just kind of have to happen. You know, I don't like forcing those. The only things that I would force was just, was for my own pleasure, was to just, we called Lance Meadow on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius every Saturday getting coffee and would just like, just get him riled up. Like, just would say, just would just say stuff to make him angry, not just, not even trying to be funny, just trying to piss him off. Um, with them, it's like, it's gotta make sense. You know, like the Jake Fromm call was, was show relevant. Um, the Kelvin Benjamin, like that was like hit me like, oh, call in about this, make fun of Giant Insider for believing West Steinberg. Um so that type of like in and, and people like the video dubbing stuff. Like though that those type of things have to be uh it just has to hit when the routine times right. It has to come natural. You can't force it. But yeah, I so I, I should I wanted to do it during training camp, call them um and make a joke, but I don't know. It would be we'll funny see. because they know they know now. Like the gig, but is I don't up. want them to know. I hope that I hope they have forgotten. Like when they see, I don't, I don't think... want them to see Tim in Florida. I'm like, oh, that's Bobby. I want them to forget. No, Paul. Paul doesn't forget. Are you kidding me? Um, Paul's a man that holds grudges. Yeah. So they no they they won't have big blue kickoff live until Monday. Sad. All right. We'll be back Monday. Yeah, we'll be back Monday. With our good friend license plate guy. We don't get to talk to him much in season. We talk like every single day in the off season. The season comes away comes up around and we get so busy. Uh, and we don't get to talk to him. So we're gonna have license plate guy on Monday for a mid season uh, update for the New York Giants. I wanna talk to him about a lot of things. So that'll be fun. This will uh, actually be really interesting. Little teaser. Now that we're talking to him in season, 
he sits on the Giants sideline every single week. So I really want to get like his input on what's happening in this like on this Giants sideline versus previous years of the Giants sideline and get his perspective on that. I feel like that'd be really cool. Also, um, you know, like we have reporters on and they'll give us stuff. License plate guy actually has like just as much info as those guys a lot of times, and he's it's more willing more. to share it with us. Yeah. Uh, so we'll 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 needle him. Maybe we'll maybe we'll needle him to get some more like out of the Kadarius Tony stuff. Yep. Or whatever. Even though we'll get like four comments, but like, he's gone. I, I posted. I posted like he had his first press conference, and I just posted a clip about it. Like this. Like if I was a, if I would follow me, I'd I'd like to just see his first like what he say about the trade. People are like he's not on the team. Why are you posting? It's like yeah, I saw I saw twenty five replies within ten minutes, so I was like, like oh, cry, crap. Cr- cry about it. Okay, <laughs> you, you saw a sixty second video that you didn't have to watch. You're mad because we're still S- scroll past it. Like you're uh, you're able to do that. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll see you guys on Monday. Enjoy your bye weekend. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>